This is Horsepower Happenings. Tear up the body panel, fine. You know, you can bend those. You could have destroyed the whole race car, if not worse. I don't have any problem racing each other and trading paint and moving people. I mean, that's it's a short track bull ring. This right. is not Daytona. From the MCRP studios in the Motor City. But I do know also one thing. By the time I'm his age, I'll have more than 100 wins, and I promise you that. With Zach Heiser. Banger leads him down on the bottom side of the racetrack. Moyer trying to make something happen on the top shelf. Big run. He'll cross over now down the back straight lane into turn number three. Moyer puts the binders on Fager nearly on the bike. And Rich Frank. Any progress, Zach, that they made on the last stop, they ruined on this one. So now they're really trying to get this thing off the ground. From the Motor City Racing Promotion Studios. Hey, guys, this is Ford Hodge. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion, Rusty Schlink. This is Bobby Santos. This is Travis Stemler. This is Travis Brady. This is Andrew Shai. David Melky. Josh Fry. Ryan Rule. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome in to Horsepower Happenings. Rejoice! Rejoice! Live racing was held in the U.S. of A. Uh, even more important, more of it is scheduled for this weekend. As for Michigan, well, that's a different story, uh, but those things and much more coming up uh, later on on Horsepower Happenings. But first, we have to take a look at some things that are happening in a Motor City Minute. Jim Ganassi Racing has picked former NASCAR Cup Series champion Matt Kenseth to move to the number 42 Chevrolet for the rest of the 2020 season. Kenseth has not driven in NASCAR's top series since 2018, and he returned for a 15-race replacement stint in Roush Fenway Racing's number 6 Ford. Now, as of right now, Kenseth's return is just for the 2020 season. Salem Speedway officials have announced that they have postponed the May 9th Casey's General Store Gas CRA Challenge for the Van Hoy Oil CRA Street Stocks. That event also included the season opener for the Victory Custom Trailers CRA Junior Late Models. Now, respectively, looking at Anderson and Nashville for CRA. Ryan Newman announced during the eNASCAR iRacing Pro Invitational Series broadcast on Sunday that when NASCAR returns to the track, his plan is to be back behind the wheel of the Roush Fenway Racing number 6. Newman will need to be medically cleared by NASCAR, however, to get back on track. Formula One CEO Chase Carey provided fans an update on the latest developments on the 2020 calendar. The organization is now looking at a summer start date in Europe, staying overseas into the beginning of September, and then their current schedule includes a return to the Americas in November. That and so much more happening on this week's edition of Horsepower Happenings. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France on the uh, on the old Google Meets video conference. And Rich, it's just like when your wife wears that little black dress and then says, you know what, honey, I've got a headache. We were able to look at it. We were able to see it. But we couldn't touch it. We couldn't smell it. And we couldn't taste it. And we're talking about racing, Rich. It happened this week in person in South Dakota, and uh, only a very select few were able to be there in person. I would have never thought of all those metaphors. Like, I <laughs> never would have. That, that's fantastic. But, you know, and we were going to go. We were going to We were talking about making a road trip. Good thing we didn't make the trip. But, uh, you know, Pennsylvania's Brock Zerfoss had what it took to outlast a talented field of 410 sprint car drivers during Saturday's Open Wheel Nationals at Park Jefferson International Speedway. Among the highlights from the night, 
were the 18 drivers, Zach, who bested Danny Lasowski's five-year-old track record of 13.396 seconds. Aaron Reitzel was the final qualifier of the night and turned in the fastest lap at a 12.692, almost a full second faster. Kerry Matson led the led uh, Price Parker Miller to the green flag. And for the first five laps, before a fury of lead changes began, Price Miller held the top spot until just five laps to go when he slowed off the fourth turn, handing things to Reitzel. Then Zierfoss took the point when he rocketed around the top shelf on a restart, besting Madsen and Reitzel, who slowed and went to the infield and setting his sights on victory lane. Zierfoss took the win ahead of Madsen, Austin Macaro, Ian Madsen, and Shannon Tankersley. In IMCA modified action, Ricky Thornton Jr. topped the field of 32 drivers for the win. Locals Sean Berrigan and Jim Cole led the field with the green flag. After an early caution, Thornton jumped to the lead and never looked back on his way to the win. He was followed by Jeff Taylor, Robbie Sawyer, who came from 14th for the podium finish. Chris Abelson and Jim Thighs rounded out the top five. Thornton struck again on Sunday, winning the IMCA Modified feature from the new Raceway Park. Starting in seventh position, Thornton had some work to do, getting to second by lap 12. Inside of five to go, Thornton went to the top of the track in turns one and two and made it stick, getting around defending track champion Chris Mills. When Mills attempted to re-challenge for the lead, though, he instead spun and brought out the first caution flag of the night with just three laps to go. Thornton held on with no issues through one more restart before winning ahead of Jeff Taylor, Gray Ferrando, Tom Berry Jr., and Aaron Johnson, who completed the top five. Well, Zach, another state has decided to jump in, uh, jump in and make us feel bad here in Michigan. <laughs> uh, North Carolina uh, is apparently the next state on the list to host local short track racing with a special invitational race on April 30th at the Tri-County Racetrack. Promoter Ray Cook will host a 40-lap super late model feature dubbed the Schaefer's Oil Tar Heel Invitational. 25 teams will be invited to participate, with each team allowed just two additional crew members. And haulers will be parked some 25 to 30 feet from one another, just like we had talked about last week, Zach. Yep. That, that's what they probably have to do. Uh, we're just trying to make something happen as safely as we can. Clay County Sheriff's deputies will also be on hand to ensure proper social distancing measures are enforced. And the event will be held without fans and includes a full program of qualifying dash and heat races and the 40 lap main event. Pre-entered drivers include Tyler Erb, Hudson O'Neill, Ashton Winger, and others. The race can be viewed through Dirt on Dirt's pay-per-view broadcast. Wisconsin's Slinger Super Speedway has announced that their season opener, including the Big 8 Late Model Series, has been postponed to July 5th to headline the prelude to the Nationals. The event was originally set for April 26th, followed by a small car enduro, which was also rescheduled. Uh, the track was then sent to be closed for Mother's Day weekend before returning on May 17th. So there's that question of... Is there any way that we can maybe only just lose those couple of weekends? Well, local driver and former Slinger track champion uh, James Swan said rumors have been floating around a race without fans, but he does not support that option. Promoter Todd Thielen says the Speedway is currently working through a lobbyist group to try to get the, short, uh, the uh, shutdown in Wisconsin shortened. And uh, probably a track that's dealing with what we're dealing with more in more reality, Zach. On Thursday morning, April 23rd, 
uh, Nashville Mayor John Cooper announced his administration's roadmap for the reopening of Nashville. Uh, his action plan, the plan reveals a four-phase objective to restart business in Nashville. The plan may impact Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway's currently scheduled operations. And uh, actually, Rich, we did learn today that that is going to be the case, right? Yeah, absolutely. That That's for sure. Uh, Speedway officials have have kept the track closed since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, race cars have yet to touch the asphalt this year, uh, but that had been slated to change beginning in May with private testing and racing events scheduled later in the month. Speedway officials are in communication with Fairgrounds uh, Nashville directors, health and city officials about possible schedule adjustments. An announcement is expected uh, also next week with further details. And uh, the local racing event at Nashville Fairgrounds Speedway, originally scheduled for Saturday, May 16th, has been suspended. A rescheduled date is to be determined. Open practices scheduled for Saturday, May 9th and Friday, May 15th have also been canceled. And that last part of that announcement, we should note, came in uh, right before we went on to uh, to do this part of the show. So, uh, again, to clarify, right, Nashville Fairground Speedway now further understands what the uh, the phase uh, the phasing's going to be from Mayor John Cooper, and that has led to the cancellation of uh, the May 9th and May 15th practices that were scheduled. And uh, as of right now, local events originally scheduled for May 16th, that is event has been suspended so uh look for more information out of nashville uh, a track that you and i rich are we're really looking forward to getting down there for a usac cra arca special uh that was supposed to kick off a very uh, interesting 2020 season down there at nashville fairgrounds um they still have a lot of excitement down there so we're really looking forward to getting the doors open yeah you know we we're, we're kind of all up in the air but we have to do this the right way zach you know everybody knows that uh it it really doesn't help we can talk about it later, but it doesn't help to do this uh, with nobody in the grandstands. That's not the point of this. This is to start getting everybody back, but we can't do it too early. So uh, in time, uh, you know, one of these, it's going to be one state at a time that's going to start doing this, I have a feeling, and we'll just have to keep an eye out for ours. Well, speaking of ours, we did get several updates uh, over the weekend on what uh, tracks are planning to do here in the state of Michigan. We'll talk about that more, uh, that and more coming up, plus our interviews tonight with Katie Hettinger and Chase Berta, the two young guns who are making the uh the uh, template late model racing scene very interesting around our area those interviews and more coming up on horsepower happenings don't go anywhere when the call sounds from race control hello yellow yellow bottom of one yellow 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 bottom of one top motorsport sanctions rely on the elite team of industry professionals for motor city racing promotions to respond highly trained men and women in uniform systematically arrive on scene with their advanced fleet of safety vehicles equipped for the toughest jobs Hours of annual training and practice are executed with precision as the task is rapidly performed in unison. Each official on the MCRP safety team is SFI certified in short track incident response and demonstrates a comprehensive background in motorsports, firefighting, and emergency medical services. It is their own appreciation of this sport and its growing need for professional motorsports rescue that has been the catalyst behind MCRP safety team's impeccable portfolio. For more information on Motor City Racing Promotion Safety Team, log on to MotorCityRacing.co and look for the MCRP badge at a track near you. Hello, race fans. This is Audra Hart, timing and scoring official for Motor City Racing Promotions. I hope you are all doing well 
during this COVID-19 outbreak. Please do what you can to abide by the stay-at-home and social distancing order so we will be able to get the 2020 racing season underway soon. Until then, keep listening to Horsepower Happenings. Stay home, stay safe. Hey, if uh, you know, you're know you a racer, you know now more than ever that money should be spent wisely. Insert Hubco Metal Fabrication. Racer-owned and operated, Lou Cobble knows the value of good quality products at a fair price. Right now, 24-inch pit lifts with a hydraulic pump start at just $875. Oh, and by the way, upgrades are available like powder coating, LED lights, and a waterproof pump cart are all available. To place an order, it's simple. Find Hubco on Facebook. You can log on to hubcolifts.com or call 269 269- 838-0029. That's 269-838-0029 for Hubco Fabrications. This is Grant Hedges, your 2018 Flat Rock Speedway Street Stop Champion, and you're listening to Horsepower Happening. Welcome back to Horsepower Happening. Zach Heiser, Rich France with you on a quarantine Monday. Uh, the final Monday of April, Rich. Holy smokes. <laughs> Where did April go? That's a good thing, Zach. That means we're moving through this thing, right? Uh, man, I hope so, because uh, the thing that concerns me is the further we get into race season, the less race dates there are going to be, and uh, more information is being released from Michigan-based pavement tracks in response to Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer's latest executive order issued on April 24th in a social media post by promoter Gary Howe. Kalamazoo Speedway today announced that all events through May 22nd and the May 29th event have been canceled. The modified Nationals event originally scheduled for Saturday, May 23rd, and the Kalamazoo Clash originally scheduled for Wednesday, June 3rd, have been suspended. Now, Owasso Speedway followed suit, posting in a social media release on Friday that the 2020 season would be delayed until further notice. Auto City Outdoor Event Center also announced plans, Zach, for a delayed start, recognizing Governor Whitmer's planned phases of reopening the state. In their Facebook announcement, Auto City says they plan to host open practices on a few Saturdays in May. We'll have to see how that goes. Management says their tentative start date falls on Saturday, June 20th for a Michigan Drift event one week prior to the scheduled night of destruction. There has been no mention of rescheduling the May 16th uh, Mod Madness event uh, in northern Michigan, Whittemore Speedway posted a short update to their official Facebook page stating that their test and tune for May 2nd and 9th have been canceled. And Zach, this afternoon, about 3 o'clock uh, in news just coming in this afternoon, Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways have canceled and postponed events for the month of May. Uh, specifically, Flat Rock Speedway has canceled all events, all, all track activity for the month of May. Uh, Toledo Speedway their May 16th Arkham Menard Series East event has been postponed and the rescheduled date for that event will be announced. And their May 29th school bus figure eight race, we heard Kenny Schrader was gonna come and ride a, drive a school bus figure eight, that is postponed. A rescheduled date is under consideration. And then Saturday, June 6th, a great inflatable uh, race run is postponed 
uh, and a rescheduled date is also being considered for that. Well, that's what we have on the pavement side of things, Rich, but uh, really the dirt side made their announcements hot and heavy uh, early on in the weekend. As a matter of fact, um, I-96 Speedway became the first of several racetracks to cancel events through the month of May. In a statement released by Jeff Dice, the owner-promoter of I-96, he said most racetrack activities have been canceled through May 29th. The reason it says most is Dice announced that he was able to secure a reschedule date for the Great Lakes Sprint Car Nationals, originally scheduled for May 8th and 9th. That event will now take place on August 28th and 29th. Hartford Speedway officials announced that the 2020 race season will be put on hold until further notice, noting that the track will open when the time is right. No future dates were announced. Silver Bullet Speedway suspended the season's opening in uh, event indefinitely. Matt and Nick Hoonout said in their social media posts that they, too, would wait for restrictions to be lifted by governing bodies and noted that while some sports venues are pursuing the option of holding events without fans, they do not have that option and cannot hold events without fans. Thunderbird Raceway followed the same protocol, officially announcing their May 2nd and May 9th events have been canceled. Tom Sprague, the owner-promoter, said in his statement that they would race once the state's stay-at-home order was lifted and the ban on mass gatherings was over so that fans and drivers could be in attendance together, seemingly indicating that the option to race without fans was also off the table. Now, Rich, we mentioned all of these racetracks three of them, that uh, racing without fans is not an option because we have two tracks in the state of Michigan that are seriously considering it. And and we knew that he was going to probably try this. He would probably be the first one to try it, and we'll have to see how it goes. But Merritt and Tri-City promoter Mike Blackmere hosted a press conference uh, that announced that all events through May are now canceled at Merritt and Tri-City Speedways. As the announcement progressed, Blackmere offered his opinion that racing will return to the state of Michigan in 2020, but with some potential changes, including racing without fans. Blackmere remarked, quote, so we have to be careful with what we do. I really believe if we do race this year, it's going to be without any fans. Blackmere said that he is working out some plans that involve hosting races and making them available through a pay-per-view service. But Blackmere made it clear that he didn't wish to make these decisions alone, calling on support from his drivers during a scheduled Zoom meeting coming up this weekend. And, uh, Rich, that will lead us right on in to this week's Here's the Deal segment, uh, which is uh, brought to you by Tylenol and Advil and ibuprofen and uh, <laughs> all the major pain relievers. Uh, no, we don't actually have their support yet. But, uh, Rich, here's the deal this week. Uh, you know, Mike Blackmere, we all I pretty much agree that he would be the one to try it and be the first one to try it, and I think that uh, the early bird gets the worm in this situation, but it does raise the question, racing without fans, good or bad? I don't think it, I don't think it's good for, I don't think it's good for our sport. I don't think it's good for the tr- owners and promoters, Zach. Um, you know, yeah, we know, we know Mike, you know, he's always like, he always likes to put on a show, puts on a big money show, draws a lot of race cars. Uh, that's great. But I guess, are we in the, are, do we want to do this because we just want to go to the racetrack and we don't care if the people that open the racetrack for us lose money. Um, I think a lot of people are being selfish about that. And I think we have to think of them on their end, because if you can't put any fans in seats, Almost everybody in this state, if they put on a race without fans, is not going to make a nickel. 
Yeah, and you know, the other thing too, there's a lot of people that would say, you know, if you're going to spend the anywhere from 5 to $12 general admission to get in the gate, you're going to spend another 10 to $15 on food, uh, another 5 to 10 on beer, and then the gas to get there, you're looking at a $50 night uh, at the racetrack. And that's, you know, if you do all the things. There are, of course, people that go and they spend their $12, they bring their cooler, they sit there, they, they get dirty, and they go home. Um, so that leads to the, well, if you're going to spend $50 to go racing anyhow, why not spend the $25 to watch it on pay-per-view so that your local drivers can still go to the racetrack? Well, that that you could probably get away with, but how many are going to actually buy it? That's what I'm concerned with. Are you going to sell enough pay-per-view to offset the cost? I don't think that's going to happen. Um, now, one way you might be able to work around it, uh, if you have a meeting with your drivers and say, you know, this race, we're going to do it on pay-per-view, but instead of racing for $5,000, you are going to race for $1,500 because I have no fans. Um, that might be a way around it um, because you're going to make money. You're going to have a sponsor for the night. You're going to have make money through the back gate in the pit area. Uh, that would be your only chance to even break even. But uh, you would you would never be – I don't see how you would ever be able to uh, have a full night of payouts with not one person in the grandstand. It just doesn't make business sense. And I think that the term full night becomes different in this situation, Rich, whereas you look at Merritt Speedway that we joke runs about 50 classes a night, but realistically they run about six or seven. Um, I think that if Mike is going to do this, and, and again, I don't want to put words in his mouth, we're going to learn more after this Saturday's meeting, I think you're looking at a maximum of three divisions for a full night without fans. What concerns me, Zach, and we were talking with um, with the president of Motor City Racing Promotion, Scott Menlin, last week, um, where the problem comes in is we're not even at phase one yet in Michigan. We are the prelude to phase one. We are still in a stay-at-home order. There are four phases. The fourth phase is when you can have some people at an event, but it surely won't be full. If there's two weeks between each one of those phases to make sure you're safely along, or if you have a hiccup somewhere along the way where a hot spot comes in and they delay it, now you're looking at August, end of July. Are you going to open a racetrack that late in the season just to hold an event or two? I don't see how you do it unless we can buzz through these phases, which I don't think are going to happen. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, you know, I, I hold out hope that, that uh, you know, eventually, right, we can't live like this forever. We've said that for the past three weeks. Eventually, life has to go back to the way it was. Uh, this virus is here to stay. This is now a part of life. So uh, it's time to buck up and live with it and, and uh, do the best to stay safe as you can. Do your best to keep others safe, but it's time to get back to living the way that uh, that we need to live. And you know what, Zach, I, I am, I mean, you know me, I'm one of the biggest race fans out there. I, w I will go to a dirt track. I'll go to a pavement track. If, if, if it gets rained out in Michigan, I'll find a track in Ohio to go watch. I've done that before. <laughs> right. Um, I'm just on the realistic side of things. You know, they're talking all professional sports this year. If they go back, there won't be any fans. Mm. If there aren't any fans for those where they do have money, there will not be any fans for any any short track racing. I'll tell you that. Well, we'll see what becomes of it. You know, obviously that's uh, that's that's worst case scenario, and uh, hopefully that's not the uh, the complete outcome. But we'll keep you up to date. I on hope I am so right. wrong. You can play this back to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I hope so too. So we'll see what becomes of it. Uh, we have to take a break. When we come back, we get into our featured interviews tonight. We'll start with 
A young lady, she is not yet a teenager, and she's already got several miles under her belt as a driver. Uh, Caitlin Hettinger joins us on the other side. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Horsepower Happenings. The podcast that features local results, news, and insight. Then your search stops with Horsepower Happenings. Every Monday night, Zach Heiser and Rich France break down the week in motorsports, from NASCAR to the world of outlaws. Then they go over what's happening in the Great Lakes region. Plus, they sit down with industry professionals, including drivers, car owners, track promoters, and more. Find a complete broadcast schedule and more information at horsepowerhappenings.com. And follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Hey race fans, this is Scott Menlin, President of Motor City Racing Promotions. I'd just like to take a moment to thank everyone in our strong racing community, those who are doing our part, staying apart. Practicing social distancing is essential to our success in the fight against the COVID-19 worldwide pandemic. I must especially thank our amazing healthcare providers and first responders, some of which are members of our incredible MCRP safety team who are out on the front line around the clock serving our community. Stay safe, race fans. We'll see you at a track soon. Looking to solve a suspension issue on your current vehicle? Suspension Max is a service and solution-based manufacturer of automotive suspension and specialty parts. Based out of Bay City, Michigan, Suspension Max has been serving the automotive aftermarket as well as engineers since 2002 and produces specialty suspension components for original equipment manufacturers and government contracts. To learn more about what they can do for you, give them a call at 1-888-629-9226 or go to suspensionmax.com. Suspension Max, the leveling kit experts. This is Tyler Roark, three-time Kalamazoo class champion, and you're listening to Horsepower Happy. Welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Zach Heiser, Rich France with you. And, uh, man, it's been a busy night so far. So much thing, uh, so many things to talk about. And, uh, Rich, that uh, that theme continues tonight. It's time for our first interview. Let us know who we're going to be talking to tonight. Absolutely, Zach. We, uh, we were bragging kids night uh, here on Horsepower <laughs> Happenings, and uh, we got our first one. She's a third-generation racer, uh, completed her first season in 2019 in the Victory Custom Trailers CRA Junior Late Models. In 2019, she finished fourth in the points. She drives the Victory Custom Trailers Van Dorn Racing Development number 71. She's 12 years old. From Dryden, Michigan, Katie Hettinger, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hi, thank you for having me. And thank you for joining us. I was reading your bio today, and I saw you started racing at five years old. Now, tell me why in the world. I have three girls, okay, uh, that are all grown. I don't recall any of them at five years old to jump in a race car. Well, I grew up at the racetrack. I was three weeks old when I went to my first race. So I've always been watching my dad race. And I wish I could have watched my grandpa race, but he quit before I could. And so I always wanted to race because I was always playing in the shop and I was always watching races. Now, in your your first four years of racing, you raced quarter midgets. And... uh, over 40 feature wins. That is pretty successful. I don't care where you are. Then in 2016, you moved up to, to race junior sprints on dirt and picked up a couple feature wins in that. What was the hardest thing going from quarter midgets to running the junior sprints on dirt? Um, definitely throttle um, because in the quarter midgets, you had to break in the corners depending on how high 
of a class you were racing. And in the junior sprints, you could just drive it in there and turn the wheel and you'd be sliding through the corner. So definitely steering and throttle were the two biggest um, challenges. Have you found that you've uh, used any of those skills that you've developed uh, on the dirt? Did, did those cross over into the pavement world now that you're racing the big cars? Um, sometimes if the car's loose, um, I can save it sometimes, but not really. So what we're talking about here is a young lady who is going from racing on the dirt to racing in the pavement side of things. And two, right, Katie, you're going from not only dirt track racing and, and these open wheels, you're going to a full-sized, fendered, you know, uh, late model chassis. Um, there's a lot more horsepower under the hood for you as well with that uh, junior late model. Yeah. Talk about what the what the learning curve was uh, to get used to all the power under the hood. Do you remember you remember what it took to, to be able to rein all the horsepower? Well, after the junior sprint, we wanted to go back to pavement, and so we tested out a lot of cars um, in between because I was at the age where it was either continue racing dirt at my home track where there was like four cars in the feature, or try to find something bigger and but it would be long drives and so we tested bandoleros out we tested legend cars and we couldn't really find anything and um so my dad talked with cra and they created the junior late model series and so i've been working so i've raced that for the last year and it was fun because my dad kind of raced um late models for a little bit he kind of tested them out a little and um, now he actually is racing late models also, and I'm driving a full late model, another late model at Spartan Speedway. I wanted to go back and talk to you about when I was uh, looking up your information. Talk to me about the Tulsa shootout. That is a pretty darn big dirt race in, in the United States of America. And you went out there with your junior sprint uh, and had a pretty good week. Yeah, we, my dad drove down with the junior sprint, and we also took my micro sprint 600 down there also. And we did pretty good um, with the junior sprint. Not We did good with the micro sprint, but we got a top 10 finish, I think, with the junior sprint. And I won my B main, and I was the first Michigan driver to ever win at the Tulsa shootout. Wow, that is very impressive. Yeah, it was really cool. Now, is that something that, you know, when when you t when you talk to other people, uh, do you go, I'm Katie Hettinger, and I'm the only Michigan driver to get a feature win uh, in the Tulsa shootout. Is that something that you are proud to have on your resume? Yeah, it definitely was a big win for me. I It didn't seem that big um, at the Tulsa shootout, but now when I go back, it's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Now I have a, I have another question, Katie. Now in 2017, you um, you moved up to the 600 cc micro sprints on dirt, um, second in the points there, rookie of the year at the Jackson Speedway. Tell me what the difference is between a junior sprint and a micro sprint. Um. Well, first of all, the junior sprint, um, it's a younger class, so I was the oldest in my class. And um, there wasn't a lot of competition at the tracks that we were going to. And so my dad wanted to move me up. And so we, when we moved up, I was racing with kids older than me. So really in either of the classes, I wasn't racing with anyone my age. 
besides where there were like a few kids, but they were mostly all older than me. And it was more competition, and um, I got, um, yeah, more competition, and it was faster. Now, Katie, you mentioned that you not only have the uh, the car for the uh, CRA, you know, Junior Late Model Series, uh, but you said you do have another car that you race, uh, you know, uh, around the state at other late model events. Um, so does that mean that not only are you racing against kids that are, you know, in your age group, are you also racing against adults throughout the summer? Um, actually, for the Junior Late Model Series, it is only kids. But now I'm going to be running a late model at my home track, Spartan Speedway. And so that will be racing with all guys, maybe girls, older than me. <laughs> and I'm excited for that because they've all been racing for a while. They, they're like veterans in um, the class. And so I'm excited because I think that I can learn from them. And it will also help me with the Junior Late Model Series. T talk to me about that as well, because uh, Rich will remember when when CRA made this decision to start a junior late model division, uh, there was some talk about that, and, and the main talk was that we wanted, uh, the racing industry felt that they wanted a, a platform for these, uh, you know, these kids to get started in late model racing. Katie, did you find it... Um, and it's kind of it's going to be hard to compare because you haven't done it yet with this coming up this year. Um, but did you feel more comfortable knowing that you were on the racetrack with other people your age rather than being out there against a bunch of adults? Um, well, usually for a lot of sports, um, I do. I'm usually the youngest. So usually I don't race with adults. I've, I don't think I've ever raced with adults, but usually they're all older than me. Mm -hmm. And so... I I was excited for the Junior Late Model Series because I knew almost all the kids that were doing it. We all raced quarter midgets together. And so I was excited because I'd be racing with them again because we all kind of went from quarter midgets, then we went to dirt together, and then we went to the Junior Late Model Series together. So I was excited to be racing with them again. But I'm also excited to be racing with adults. But then I'm nervous because I don't want to, like, spin out or wreck them or something and then sure. they'd be mad at me so yeah you made an interesting uh note there that we've heard from uh top tier drivers uh, that are now running in nascar you t you hear about bubba wallace and ryan blaney and um you know the the younger generation that's in the sport right now talking about man i used to race with him in quarter midgets and go-karts and then bandoleros and uh you know now we're racing together in the cup series is that something that you hope to be able to do is to, you know, be able to look back in, in 10 years and say, man, I, I remember racing against, uh, you know, Charlie Keevan and Chase Berta and those guys in the CRA Junior Series? Yeah, I think that that's probably going to happen because those guys are like really good drivers. And I believe, like, especially Chase, he's probably going to go to NASCAR if he stays with it. And I hope that I can get there too. So then it's going to be like, we've been racing for seven years together, and so now we're going to grow up and we're going to be like, holy cow, we'll be racing for 15 years together or something like that. <laughs> and you'll still only just be about 20 or 22 years old, which is amazing to think about. Yeah. Now, I'm curious, I'm curious, Katie, you know, we, you know this, you're going into your second year uh, with the Victory Custom Trailers CRA Junior Lay Models. Uh, you spent a lot of time on dirt. What made you decide to get off of dirt and onto pavement? Um, well, f one reason is that for dirt, um, the track in Michigan, Jackson Speedway, 
there wasn't a lot of competition there. Like, it was closing, and they were, like, not getting a lot of drivers going there, not a lot of fans. And so there wasn't much competition there, so we decided to go to US 24 Speedway in Indiana, and we worked with Adam and Courtney Barth. They helped us there with the dirt. But to get to Indiana, it was a five-hour drive. So it was every Saturday we were driving five hours to go to the racetrack. And so my dad was just like, and we weren't moving up. It wasn't really helping us move up or get my name out there. And I want want to go to NASCAR. So we wanted to um, go back to pavement, but there wasn't a lot of classes I could do that. So then we started looking, and then my dad created the series. Now, you mentioned him earlier in the interview. I, I want to talk to you about him. Uh, and most of us older folks around here know uh, your grandfather was Jim Hettinger, and he was one of the best USAC midget drivers ever in the United States. And um, he was inducted into the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame back in 1998. And I know you still would love him to have him around and be part of your racing, but do you have any interest in maybe following in his footsteps and get into midget racing? Um, yes, but my mom's rule for me and my dad is that we're not allowed to drive sprint cars and midgets. Um, but I would love to, like, do all his racing and follow his footsteps. Um, and actually my number 71, that was one of his numbers, and it's my dad's number. So our family number is number 71. But he also has the number 5B. So maybe in a couple of the upcoming seasons, not this season because we already got my car wrapped, but i also like to try that number out. Katie, what does it mean for you, uh, again, 12 years old, you'll be 13 in about two months, um, to be a third-generation driver? You know, Rich, we, we've talked to a number of second-generation drivers who have come from just, you know, great names, and I think uh, sometimes there's some pressure there to live up to that name, and Katie, for you, uh, as Rich said, with your grandfather and with your father being successful race car drivers, do you feel any pressure to live up to the last name of Hettinger? Do you feel any of the pressure from the racing community to perform when you show up at the racetrack? I do not feel pressure. If anything, I feel honored because both of my dad and my grandpa were great drivers and I got great advice from both of them. So I feel that with my dad helping me and we have all this help from all the other guys at the shop that I have a good car to race. And if anything, my dad, he's never mad of my performance. He's always proud of me. So I think that there's no pressure in our family and it's just proud and it's an honor. Katie, as uh, we work through this situation here that's going on around the world uh, with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, obviously almost none of us are getting to a racetrack unless you live in South Dakota, which we talked about. But um, what are you doing during the downtime? We understand that you're still having some competitive fun on the side. Yeah, um, I got a simulator over the winter and and I racing some seats. And so we have a race face it's my marketing program we have a junior light mile esports series going on and actually this week on thursday i have my last race at bristol speedway um but i've been doing that every week we have we've had a different track and it's a lot of fun actually um i think i've got to know a lot of the guys and girls that are doing the series um i knew a few of them before like Holly Clark, we raced quarter midgets together. But it was a lot of fun because everyone is so funny, but then when it comes race day, it's like 
crazy, but it's fun at the same time. The helmets go on and the smiles come off, right, Rich France? <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I, I, can you imagine how, how they go at each other? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as we're moving forward here, uh, you know, Katie, um, I think that there's one thing that I, that's been weighing on my mind. And, Rich, I know you've got one uh, waiting in the wings here. But you've mentioned a couple of times now you want to make it to NASCAR. And I think that right now uh, this question is, is as uh, important as any or as, uh, you know, maybe – relevant as any who do you look up to in the top tiers of the sport right now because you know you look at danica patrick and all the heat that she took and uh, you know you look at some of the other female competitors who who maybe are taking some heat right now in in the nascar sanction and then you look at Haley deegan who also very successful but she's taken some heat along the way who do you look up to and, and who do you hope to be like and maybe it's not even a female that that you uh, compare yourself to um well i have I have two drivers, um, Haley Deegan, definitely, she's been doing really good, um, I follow her on Instagram, we watch all her, I watch almost all her YouTube videos, and also Christopher Bell, cause I have a bunch of t-shirts from him, um, we watch him for Chili Bowl, we watch him on NASCAR, and also Brittany Zamora, she's also a big influence on me too, because one, she has like her pause, pit stop pause. And I love dogs, and also she's a really good driver. Now, we have a friend uh, that visits us on the show from time to time. I think he's been on a few times, and he may have won the Red Bud 400 last year and the Glass City 200. Uh, Johnny Van Dorn, I know you've had your car over at his place. Um, have you got a chance to talk to him and pick his brain? Um, yeah, actually, we've been do I've been to a shop with my dad to get my car and to do our seat mounts and everything, and he's really nice. Um, he also goes, he does hunting, and I hunt also, and um, we've had a couple small conversations about going hunting together, so I watch his races with my dad, too, and he's just really funny and nice, um, working on the cars in the shop, on the track, and off the track. Now, Katie, as we wrap up here, we're starting to run out of time. I, I want to make sure that we talk about um, uh, kind of an important piece to your racing puzzle. And uh, if you go on your website and you look at your car, you can see that uh, Katie Hattinger Racing, you are racing for a cause. And that's exactly what it says on your website as well. Um, talk to me about the Friends of Jocelyn Foundation. Um, for Race Face, um, we have friends of Jacqueline on our cars and it is for a girl who had cancer and it is and it pairs up for our racing also supports um her very cool how did you uh, do you know how you got hooked up with that organization what was the um you know how, how did you and that organization pair up racing and supporting causes not an unheard of thing in our sport so uh, it's very cool what you're doing how did that happen um well we joined race Face, um i think i said earlier my marketing program mm. and they do a lot of cool stuff um for our marketing like we have the 30-day instagram challenge and um when we joined them we um, pick a cause and we did Friends of Jacqueline. Very cool. 
Well, Katie, it's been so cool to uh, see you progress. Uh, you know, we know that you've been working on, um, you know, social media presentations. That's been cool with you doing videos on your Facebook and Instagram pages. And um, you're just probably like everyone else right now, right? Ready to get back to the racetrack and ready to climb behind the wheel. Definitely. Well, Katie, we appreciate your time tonight. Thanks so much for joining us on Horsepower Happenings. Good luck this season. Um, hope, uh, Hopefully we get to see you at a racetrack soon. Thank you for having me. All right, when we come back, our second and final interview of the night, we keep the uh, the theme rolling with the uh, the Young Guns. It's kind of like you remember the Gillette Young Gun program they had in NASCAR. That's what I feel like we're doing tonight. Uh, we'll talk with uh, Chase Berta coming up on the other side. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Horsepower Happenings. Hello, race fans. This is Audra Hart, timing and scoring official for Motor City Racing Promotions. I hope you are all doing well during this COVID-19 outbreak. Please do what you can to abide by the stay-at-home and social distancing order so we will be able to get the 2020 racing season underway soon. Until then, keep listening to Horsepower Happenings. Stay home, stay safe. Racers know now more than ever that money should be spent wisely. Insert Hubco Metal Fabrication. Racer-owned and operated, Luke Hubble knows the value of good quality products at a fair price. Right now, 24-inch pit lifts with a hydraulic pump start at just $875. Oh, and by the way, upgrades like powder coating, LED lights, and a waterproof pump cart are available. To place an order, it's pretty simple. Just find Hubco on Facebook, log on to hubcolifts.com, or call 269-838-0029. That's 269-838-0029 for Hubco Fabrication. This is Dylan Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 and you're listening to Horse Happening. Welcome back to Horsepower Happenings, final interview of the night time, and uh, you know, it's been a busy night tonight, but man, it's been so fun talking to the next generation of our youth. Uh, we just got off the phone with Katie Hettinger and Rich, now we move on, couple years older, and another division higher, but we'll get into that in just a second. Introduce us to our next guest. Yeah, round two of the kids tonight, Zach, this one, not quite, uh, not quite a kid anymore, uh, started his career in quarter midget racing at age six. Uh, pretty much dominated quarter midget racing uh, through the years. And in 2019, he won the inaugural championship of the Victory Custom Trailers CRA Junior Late Models. He's 15 years old from Lapeer, Michigan. Chase Berta, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Thank you guys for having me. It's a great opportunity for us, our team, and everyone here. And it's just awesome to be on the show. All right, let's back up just a little bit. You had a stellar quarter midget career, and I know this because... I used to watch you in the Midwest Indoor Racing Series, uh, and you didn't lose a whole lot. But when it was time to move up and out of quarter midget, you decided to do it on dirt. Why'd you make that decision? Oh, um, uh, like dirt, we've always liked dirt. We, like we raced quarter midget, we ran um, asphalt for while well, we ran it every year, and probably like we'd go to outdoor every year for the Four Crown Nationals with quarter midgets and. We always enjoyed it, and for dirt racers, like I feel like they they're more drivers than asphalt, more like setup and crew guys. So 
So, like, our vision here, uh, well, me and my dad, like, you learn the car more and understand different things. So, like, you're on the asphalt and, like, you lose, like, uh, control of the car. You, like, dirt will help you with that. And I feel like dirt, you'll learn a lot more experience with the race car and learn a lot more as it goes. So, that's where, like, we got dirt first. Now, on the dirt side, uh, you started in a street stock uh, and a modified, and uh, Zach and I know this because we got to watch you quite a bit at Merritt when we were traveling with the ethanol tours. Uh, how did that first year in the big cars go for you? Um, it went really good, and honestly, we weren't supposed to run the street stock. Uh, we were looking for the modified, and we found a deal with a trailer, the modified and the street stock, and we um, went up on it and took the deal, and then uh, we got the street stock done first, and we ran, we didn't even the modified for the first year, and we ran the street stock. We were supposed to run the modified near the end of the year, we just never got it out and stuff, so that was kind of different, but the second year, we got them both out, and we ran Merritt the whole year just to get experience with the modified and the street stock, we were able to get that down and pick up a few wins this year, like that, that past year. And it was just a great learning year and everything for our team. So you move forward, you decide that uh, you do get the modified out and you have some fun with that. Um, and, and with the modified coming out, the street stock kind of falls to the wayside. Um, for those who have maybe driven a race car before, but they've never driven a four-bar car or a link car, uh, modified or a late model or a sportsman, something like that, those cars are a completely different animal to drive on dirt. How is that learning curve for you? Um, well, the dirt cars, like the modified and dirt late models, they got, like, the rear suspension. So you have to, like, the throttle's way different because in dirt you put more throttle, it's, like, get more rear steer out of it and stuff. So... Uh, it's just different, I guess you could say, but it also could help you on asphalt. Like, that's another way we uh, use dirt. So, yeah, like, throttle control and all kinds of different stuff that helped us out in many different ways. Well, you figured the modified out pretty quick, and uh, you had a very successful 2019 season. Uh, we're talking feature wins. Uh, you got you picked up your first career IMCA modified feature win at Thunderbird Raceway. Then you were named the IMCA Regional Rookie of the Year. Um, pretty cool accolades to go along with a uh, successful 2019 on the pavement side as well. Um, but uh, first off, how about that career, or how about that year on dirt? Uh, you, you had some... Uh, you had some pretty nice accomplishments there in 2019. Yeah, um, we ran Tri-City um, every Friday night, and then we ran Crystal for a few, for the first few weekends. And it rained, we ra rained out at Crystal, and we went up to Thunderbird, and we ran third the first third weekend there. We really, like, we were glued to Thunderbird. Like, that was, like, probably our favorite track, and started running there, and we run consistent, like, top fives and podiums, like, almost every weekend. And then um, IMCA, you run crate motors, and you could also run an open motor. So we ran crate, and then by the end of the season, with like the last four races or so, we, uh, um, I forgot the exact thing what happened to it, but the motor was kind of like gone. It would take a while to get it refreshed and stuff, so we couldn't use it. So we pulled out the old street stock motor because um, we pulled the street stock out like mid-summer, just 
started running it more, get more experience. And um, we wrecked it like the first week. We, we just demolished the car. Oh, jeez. Went out and got hit. And then, but we used that motor, street stock, and put it in the modified and ran an open motor. And, and I don't know, on the first race with that motor, we won. Then we won the top like our two weekends in a row. And then, uh, Big race up in Thunderbird. We started 24th on a dry slick track, and we were able to get up to third. So wow, getting <laughs> success with that motor. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is awesome. And uh, I forgot to mention too. You mentioned Tri City. You picked up Rookie of the Year honors there as well this year, correct? Yeah, we went. Up, uh, that was our last banquet. We went up there and picked up that award, which is pretty cool. So now, now we move forward, and you last year, and you move into the. Uh, Victory Custom Trailer CRA Junior Late Model Series, and you had a small group of drivers. You you probably had more experience than most of them, uh, if not all of them. But 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 how fun was it with Charlie and Zach and Caitlin and Luke and Evan and all the whole group? Uh, did you guys have a fun year racing together? Yeah, it was all fun. We were all like, it wasn't like oh, like competitive and stuff. We were all close, and it was just an enjoyable year in that in that car and. It was a great learning year for us, and uh, like all of them guys out there, like we wanted to run All Stars Tour, and like that was like it opened up, and I was like, wow, they'll like go right into it, so we can get used to the pavement side. Cause I never ran full size on pavement, so we used that as an experience, and it showed everybody else, and it was just an enjoyable. They were all just great racers, and just like one big family. It seemed like, and it was just an enjoyable year. You say. So now you're going to move into now you're going to move up. You're going to move in the Jeg CRA All Stars Tour Crate Engine Class, and um, I guess at only one year in the Junior Late Models. What uh, what led to making you making that decision already? Uh, well, we had this plan. We were supposed to run in the All Stars Tour like the past year in Junior Late Models, but this be safe. We used, like we ran that one just to see if I liked it and just get used to pavement, and uh, Van Dorn, we were talking to them, we've been talking to them, and they just said it was the right move, and we've been working with them, like right now, the car's at Van Dorn's shop right now, and we're, still, we're going down to Muskegon tomorrow to go pick that up, which is pretty cool, and uh, yeah, I'm just, I don't know, I'm excited to run the All-Stars Tour. And I know, uh, you know, you, you go to one of those tour races, and uh, there, there may be some races you show up at where there's names like Campbell, Van Dorn, Leak, Hosevar. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I would require an extra trip to the restroom before I walked in the gate if I saw that list. <laughs> um, yeah. How uh, is that? This has got to be a huge opportunity for you to learn some from from some very good drivers. Yeah, it's a great way to learn from other people and uh, like Hosevar and stuff like. I've, like, raced with him back in the quarter of the days, and uh, it's just exciting. It's going to be a, I don't know, I think it's going to be a great year for us. We can, I don't know, like, our goals are just to get top ten and rookie, like, rookie of the year this year, and that would just be great for our team. And I'm just really looking forward to it and see what we can get out of it. You know, uh, when we talk about, 
you and your career and moving forward. Um, I have to mention that Katie Hettinger, who was on just before you, um, <clears throat> she made some of the similar remarks that you did, that racing with that group of uh, junior late model drivers was a lot of fun, and, and, you know, it was very enjoyable, competitive racing. And, uh, you know, she says that uh, with your talent and everything you got going on right now, um, she very well looks expects to look back in you know 10, 15 years and go, oh man, Chase Bird is on TV on Sunday running NASCAR. I remember running with him uh, back in the CRA Junior Late Model Series. Um, she, she, Katie, uh, one of your t- one of your uh, competitors, she's got uh, big expectations out of you, Chase. What are your goals uh, in racing? Where do you hope to end up? Um, well, definitely our main goal is definitely to make it to NASCAR or. Um, also, like, uh, somewhere like the dirt ranks, like World of Outlaws. Uh, I just, we just gotta see where racing takes us, I guess. Um, but definitely our main goal is NASCAR, and that's just what we're going for. And I think, too, the question remains, uh, you had success. You had, you had gleaming success on both sides of the racing world, right? Dirt racing, you picked up feature wins and Rookie of the Year honors. Um, pavement racing, you picked up feature wins and a championship. What's the plan for 2020? Are you going to still run both, uh, both dirt and pavement? And uh, what, is, what, are, what are we thinking long term here? Are you going to fall on one side and stay there? Or do you hope to be able to do the swap seat for a while? Um, well, 2020, we're, uh, running All-Stars Tour, and we're still going to be running the IMCA, their car, and we're actually trying to get the street stock just to run that one, just for fun, and, um, I don't know, like, what, like, we're definitely going to go pavement side, like, that's our main goal, but if they even don't fall for us, we're most likely going to go for dirt, and, uh, like my dad says, if we don't go anywhere, in the future, in these next few years, like my senior year of high school, like when I graduate, uh, we're trying to go run like a dirt weight model across the country. Now, I got to ask you because we asked Katie as well, you know, you sound like you got a lot of stuff going too, but, uh, you know, we got this COVID-19 thing going on. Um, you you got to be driving, driving yourself crazy sitting around with these race cars and not be able to take them anywhere. Yeah, it's like, I know, just a bummer. But it was also, like, this past weekend, they were racing dirt in South Dakota, which, that's a good sign, and there's starting to be all these other races that are popping up, which is kind of cool, but it's still making me, like, really impatient for racing to come up and uh, just making me really looking forward to it. I've been on, uh, I have a simulator, too, here, which I've been on, on iRacing, and um, I'm just, like, really looking forward to it, because 2020, like, I just been ready. Hopefully, yeah, Jay, Zach, Zach, and I talk about it all the time, and we think uh, these races with no fans are just teasing us. Uh, that we're not. Yeah. It's going to be tough to get that over here in Michigan. But and and what we've had, to be honest, you know, Zach will tell you too. Uh, we've had a lot of eye racing coverage the past <laughs> the past four to six weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Chase, you know, uh, maybe the uh, the opportunity is there for you to pack up the family bus and the IMCA Modified and, and uh, hit the road if we don't get to race in Michigan anytime soon. But, uh, uh, you know, it's exciting to see what you've got lying ahead. Uh, great success in the IMCA Modified. Um, great success, obviously, in the Junior Late Model Series. And now, I think, comes the test 
of the Jag CRA All-Stars Tour where the competition is always so tight and so fierce. Um, it'll be exciting to see what sort of things lie ahead for you in that division as well. Chase Berta was our guest tonight, uh, our final guest. Chase, thanks so much for joining us tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, thank you. It was uh, great talking to you all. And it's just a great time. All right, again, thanks so much to Chase Berta, Caitlin Hettinger for joining us tonight on the show. Rich, for the first time in a long time, we've got a list of upcoming events to go over. Now it's a small list, but there is a list of upcoming events. I can't believe we actually have upcoming events. Uh, obviously, the first one is the one we spoke about earlier, the Tri-County Racetrack, Thursday, April 30th, uh, for that late model event uh, with no fans. We'll see... Uh, as we get a little bit closer this week, see how that goes. Yeah, and again, uh, that's an invitation only. I believe it's just 25 uh, drivers that are going to be down there for that 40-lap main event. But, uh, hey, you know what? Uh, Thursday, we'll see how it goes. Um, and if that's not enough, uh, you know, if you're thinking North Carolina, well, let's go to South Carolina, uh, where we'll have the uh, Palmetto Invitational. This event, a joint venture with Cherokee Speedway, DC2 LLC, Concrete Construction Company, and Speed 51. 50 drivers have been invited to that race, which will uh, consist of spectatorless grandstands, uh, invitations that were sent privately, but we do know that uh, defending Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series champion Jonathan Davenport will be on hand, former World of Outlaws Late Model uh, champion Daryl Lanigan, and 2017 March Madness winner at Cherokee, Ross Bales, all expected to be in the house. Rich, we got the north-south one-two punch going on this weekend with late model racing. I'm jacked up, and I'm going to be dropping some dimes on some pay-per-view events this weekend. <laughs> all right, I am firmly convinced we need to get on the horn to North Carolina and South Carolina, and somebody from Michigan needs to call down there and how they're getting these things approved because uh, if, if they can get them down there, even though I, I don't agree with it, it makes everybody happy up here. Let's open some racetrack with no fans because – those, tra those states are nowhere near ready to open yet either. I tell you what, I'll grab my mask and I'll grab my hand sanitizer and I'll be out the door just in time to head down to the Carolinas for Thursday and for Saturday night racing. Um, I love it. I think it's great. I think if these racetracks and these individuals can figure out how to do it safely, it's only good news for the rest of the racing world. For Rich France, I'm Zach Heiser. Thanks so much to Caitlin Hettinger and Chase Berta for being on the show tonight, and thank you for tuning in to Horsepower Happenings. We'll be back same time, same place next week. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings on the Motor City Racing Network. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com. And be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.